Fred Armisen's in it. Oh, of course. Just randomly as a vampire. I wonder if he's credited kind of like the way, uh, remember the, the French cops that burst through the door, David Arquette? Yes. Absolutely was David Arquette. Mm-hmm. Well, they had dancing on Portlandia. Yeah, he was the goth at the beach. At the beach, Yeah, yes. I saw so, that episode. So uh, they, uh, I guess yeah, he they, knows dancing. He's they, like, come on down. We're we're making a movie. I would totally be friends with Danzig. I mean, I would probably... (laughs) I don't know. The guy on Red Letter Media, one of them said, this proves that there's nothing that Danzig can do that Rob Zombie can't do better. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, let's start this thing. That was a good cold open. A little banter. Banter. I'm going to keep all that. Yeah, don't make any mistakes so I don't have to edit anything, okay? Okay, no right. mistakes. We're it's always a perfect. live take. Yeah, everything's live. It's live to tape. Live uh, to tape. Yeah, we haven't done this uh, in over a week, so let's see if I can remember this. Hey, listeners, you're listening to another exciting episode of Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. This here's a podcast about horror movies. Ooh. <laughs> Uh, we're going to talk about a horror movie, which we're going to spoil. But before that, we're going to talk about recently watched. We're going to kind of not spoil those as much. Okay, we're going to totally spoil those. Uh, we thank the Moonrays for giving us that song intro. Creature features at the top of the show. You can find the music on Amazon or Apple Music, where you could buy it digitally, or say hello to them on Facebook, where they are the Moon Dash Rays. And we're not professional critics. We're your hosts. I'm Richard. I'm here with Will. Hello. And Jolian. Good evening. Well, guys, um, should we uh, jump right into... What have you watched recently, Richard? Well, I didn't watch uh, Death Rider in the House of Vampires. Okay, but did you watch any Bigfoots? I did start... A, did I get through that one? There's a sta- There's a channel I've seen advertised on, on Amazon Fire, the Fire Stick, called Gaia? Gia? Uh, uh, it's all UFO bullshit. Oh, wow. It's just the whole channel is nothing but disclosure. Wow. <laughs> That's great. And yet nothing's ever learned. Um, nothing's yeah. ever disclosed. Tell you what. Um, let's see. Uh, Gaia, I guess. Gaia. Gaia. Uh, yeah, that would be another word for Mother Earth, wouldn't it? Um, if you want me to start, since we're on this note already, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I did watch a 55-minute-long documentary called Tracking the Lore, mm-hmm. and it's about when Tracking they the spool. <laughs> when they had the big, uh, ridiculous fire. Smacking the chore. <laughs> um, <laughs> when they had the, the big, terrible fire a few years ago in Australia. Mm. 
Well, obviously all the wildlife was, you know, getting displaced, if not burned to death. Yeah. Including the Yowie, or they had a couple other traditional names. The Yowie. <laughs> they call them Yowies. The Yowies. Yowies and Bunyips. Bunyips. <laughs> Bunyips. Yeah. The Australians have to have funny words for everything, don't they? Yeah. The Yowie. I call it a Gujiwaja. It's like, do you have to? Yes. It's a frog. We make this bullshit up to see if tourists fall for it. Oh, the whole country's in on it. <laughs> it's a big joke on us. Yeah. Just um, like the accent. We just made that up one day. Yeah. Uh, so I would say out of everything other than like people who said, yes, I saw one. That's going to be in every documentary, right? There was somebody who had infrared footage that mm-hmm. was like... Wow, well, or whatever, the heat-sensitive footage. I don't know what you call that. Um, yeah. Anyway, that thing where it's always the orange and yellow blobs. Mm-hmm. And it's like when they clicked to black and white and it looked like a dark silhouette popping out from behind a tree, it's like, well, it looks like a great big dude. Cool. And it's like they had people go stand by the tree and it's like, yeah, that, that makes them over eight feet tall. But that's all you got. It was exciting. Everything else in the movie was just kind of like uh, eyewitness testimony, if you'll call it that. So it was worth a look. Uh, that was on Canopy. I'm kind mm. of digging this whole Canopy thing because, well, you know. It's got lots of good documentaries. Yeah, it's got a bunch of stuff on it. Um, I, I did like sapping the vor. <laughs> <laughs> what, what you do in your private life is no concern of mine. Um, I did a cover for us. This book is is all um, Australian cryptids. Oh. I'll uh, lend that to you. So it's mm. all like the uh, dinosaurs and yowies and things like that. What's a bunyip? There, uh, it depends what region you're in. Ah, <laughs> it's basically a yeah, like an unknown creature. Yeah. Um, did I ever tell you guys I worked as a tree planter? When no, I was, but I can see why you'd keep that secret. Uh, you know, it's, there's no shame in it. I mean, I, <laughs> yeah, it's taken you a long time to come to that tree terms planting. with that. Though. <laughs> yeah. um, Twenty well, years of therapy, I can finally say I was a tree planter. Yeah, I, I planted uh, the mountains in uh, the northern panhandle of Idaho, and uh, I think even in, maybe into part of Montana or Washington. I. It's been a lot of years, but I put more trees back into the ground than my brother cut down when he worked as a sawyer. Uh, I don't know if they call it that. They just say logger, but he was specifically a sawyer. And um, there was a documentary on Canopy called Forest for the Trees, the Tree Planters. And I went, oh, well, let's see what this is like. And I'm just expecting it to be as grimy and awful as what we dealt with in in our day-to-day life. It was nothing but fun. Footage people. People running and holding frolicking. hands and frolicking, and <laughs> yeah. there were topless women. Um, it was <laughs> a big bag of cash. You could just go take what you need. <laughs> <laughs> no, this, this was a bunch You'll of, get us back later. We know. We trust you. It was a bunch of Canadians. You're a lumberjack. You're okay. <laughs> no, it was Canadian tree planters. So they were a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, not incredibly different, but. Mm-hmm. Planted the trees upside down. <laughs> Yeah, you know, they're on the other side of the earth. Yeah, they're in Canada, way down there. Yeah. Um, So it was interesting to see, you know, some of the stuff they were going through. They had an actual, like, cook shack set up. 
And it's like, wow, that's interesting. I, I've heard that people did that where they would set up a tent and then some like Coleman stoves and, you know, like for whatever extra pay they, they could get from people, they would make hot meals. No, we cooked over a fire. You bring canned goods and, you know, one day of perishables in a cooler and everything else was canned after that. And, mm. and it was like, if you were going to bathe at all, it was in a cold creek. Mm-hmm. It's mm. all snow melt. I mean, it was wretched. And the um, the van, that the passenger van we rode in was just referred to as the crummy. And it's like, that's why do they call it that? And the, then the one guy who planted for a few seasons he goes wait a, wait a little about day three or four you'll see why it's called that <laughs> it's just dirt and garbage on the floor about ankle deep oh man it's just nobody takes care of it and until somebody does decide it's disgusting and they want to sweep it out um as if there's a broom uh anyway it was interesting to see a different take on it the C- canadians were obviously a little more polite and uh some of them went through some hard times and it was interesting to watch them planting uh, some of the rough terrain, similar to what I've planted. Um, I am Cuba. I watched that yeah. yes. before handing that back to you. Really interesting because I, it didn't even occur to me that it would be, uh, being in 1964, that it would be like pro Castro, uh, pro revolution. Uh, uh, well, it was a, it was a, um, Russian made film technically with, mm-hmm. you know, and obviously w- with the cooperation of the Cubans, but uh, beautiful work with the film, yeah. you know, it, it was gorgeous. Um, Heart wrenching in some places when you get to see the poverty and the awfulness that would go on. But I was digging the nightclub. <laughs> the nightclub was cool. I mean, you're supposed to see how awful, you know, the transactional behavior of, you know, men toward women and all of this stuff going on, but it was cool. It was like, I want to go hang out in that club. Yeah, um, Criterion's bringing out the new restoration this year. Oh, nice. Very nice. Yeah, you, the part you were talking about where the camera was descending from all the different decks. Yeah, it just jumps off the diving board and into the pool. Yeah, it's cool, man. Um, yeah, so I, I really did like that, you know, even though at the end it was like very clearly pro-revolution. Like, okay, well, what are you going to do? <laughs> I mean, consider the source. Uh but that was great. like that a lot. Uh, I'll, I'll end on this one. Um, well, we watched Dumb Money, which was about the, uh, the GameStop uh, stock oh. thing that happened. Yeah. Like nostalgia for three years ago. Yeah. But no, right. but they, they just wanted to tell the story of how that went down. And um, so I won't go into that one, but I will go into a little bit. Hollywood Dreams and Nightmares, the Robert Englund story. And for anyone who only knows Robert Englund as Freddy Krueger, it's like the guy had um, a few decent parts in movies and then a lot of character actor work before he ever became Freddy Krueger. And it was really cool to see that, you know, people who worked with him said, man, this guy really had it going on. He he, he, he had a, a good style of acting and could work well with people and was very, you know, you kind. played one burned up pedophile with knives for hands. <laughs> And you get typecast forever. You fuck one goat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it was cool, though. It was it was over an hour and a half long, and it was totally enjoyable. Um, and they that, tell the story where he told Mark Hamill to go 
Oh, uh, go try out for Star Wars. Star Wars, yeah. Yeah. Mark Hamill's like, damn, glad okay. you said something. He's like crashing on his couch. Yeah. And that's, you hear a lot of those stories about people in Hollywood. Is like, you know, the people you think really had it together, like even when they became a household name, they were still living at mom's or crashing on a couch, <laughs> you know, they're in their buddy's basement or whatever. Yeah. So that one was fun. Uh, and of course it shows a lot of people who've worked with him in horror movies, just saying, you know, what a great guy he is and all the, you know, how he takes proper amounts of time with his fans at the conventions, which I've never waited in line. I've known a few people who have, and they've all said the same thing that he was just wonderful, which I love to hear that because mm-hmm. there are a few dickheads out there. Uh, that's it for me. Who wants to go next? You go. Okay. Jolien. Uh, a Study in Terror from 1965, uh, directed by James Hill, who did Born Free. Um, this is Sherlock Holmes versus the Ripper, uh-huh. I think for the first time. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, two of the cast would be in another bout, uh, Bob Clark's Murder by Decree oh. in 1973, 1979, I mean. Um, you've got a well-known cast. You've got John Neville... Uh, and Donald Hudson as um, Holmes and Watson, Anthony Quayle, Barbara Windsor, Frank Finlay as Lestrade, Adrienne Corey, Judy Dench, very young Judy Dench, uh, Robert Morley as Mycroft. Was it before she was a dame? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, and this is the first on screen appearance of Mycroft, as oh, far as I know. Wow. Uh, I thought the film itself was a bit mediocre. Um, seems to not be confident that its hero be entertaining enough and throws in a lot more fisticuffs and killer POV slashings than previous Holmes dramas. Uh, the US release was promoted like the Batman series. Oh. There's a, it's got this poster with a picture of Sherlock Holmes waving a pistol and then pow, pow, bang. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Good um, stuff. Perversion story. Lucio Fulci, 1969. Mm. Uh, Fulci's first giallo starts with Dr. De Maurier becoming rich after the death of his sickly wife, Susan. But then he and his lover run into a stripper who looks a lot like her, and he ends up the chief suspect in Susan's murder. Elements of Vertigo, it's mostly set in San Francisco, and there's a doubled woman, and the more restrained giallo of the uh, 60s outside of Bava and before Argento. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of nudity though, uh, pretty stylish, cool score by Rizzo Tilani, uh, stars Marisa Mel from Diabolik, Jean Sorel, who was, who auditioned for Diabolik, or, or at least had photos taken in costume. Oh, okay. Um, John Ireland, Faith de Merck, uh, first film made in San Quentin. Wow. Hmm. Um, including the actual gas chamber. Wow. Uh, Crash from 1978, directed by Barry Shear. This is the other TV movie about Flight 401 from 1978. Um, doesn't mention ghosts, but it does have William Shatner, Eddie Albert, Lorraine Gary from Jaws, Ed Nelson, George um, Harris, Joe Silver, who was in two Cronenberg movies, but not Crash. Oh. Hmm. The 1996 version. Ah. Uh, Brooke Bundy from Elm Street 4 and 5, uh, Artie Shaw, and Royal Darno. Oh. So it was like Love Boat. <laughs> yeah. The flight attendants are played by Sharon Glass and Adrian Barbeau. So it's almost worth taking the flight. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, the dog's okay, by the way. Oh, good. Yeah, I was worried about that, but he's okay. Um, Succubus from 1989, directed by George Tressler, who did 2069 A Sex Odyssey. <laughs> Do you remember that one from 1974? No, but... Um, anyway, Succubus, uh, film with the old Swiss legend, uh, Senen Tucci. Oh, I've done this one, haven't I? I don't know. Yeah, I think I've talked about that one before. Um, anyway, it's about three horny cow herds up in the Alps who make a sex doll which comes to life. Wow. So it was weird science. <laughs> also filmed <clears throat> in 2010. And the inspiration for the Harold story in the third book of Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Where they mm. make a, these two shepherds make a scarecrow and they do hateful things to it and it skins them. As scarecrows would do. Um, the build-up is really good, with the men either dwarfed by the mountainscape or cramped together in little huts. Once the witch shows up, she's not so much force of nature as refugee from a white snake video, <laughs> and the film seems to lose its nerve. Uh, she, yeah, she's got big hair. Mm. Um, uh, a dead cow is skinned. Mm. Mm. Uh, Shadow of Death, a.k.a. Voyage to Nowhere, a.k.a. Macabre. From 1969, directed by Javier Seto. Uh, there were three or four main characters, depending on whether Mueller was dead by the time the story began, or if one of the identical twins, Peter or John, was impersonating Mueller all the way through, or if Peter, having found out John was impersonating him, that is, Peter was pretending to be John impersonating Mueller, although since Denise, who is having an affair with John, who turns out to be Peter, has been giving Peter mind-altering drugs then Peter might think he's really John impersonating Peter, but since Denise loses track of which one is Peter or John, then he might be John thinking he's Peter thinking he's John, or indeed, Peter thinking he's John thinking he's Peter. Hmm. Okay? Yeah, okay. Uh, Clear I enough. I love the dark, grubby locations in Bilbao before it got cleaned up. All right. So more complicated than Victor Victoria. <laughs> A little. Okay. Uh, Dead Man's Curve from 1978. Hmm. Seen this one? Uh, I don't know. Uh, as with almost all biopics about artists, you get little to nothing about the creation of their art. Uh, Jan Berry, who backed this film, is portrayed as an egotistical jerk to everyone around him, including high school buddy Dean Torrance. Um, you know Jan and Dean, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. uh, we see Jan's crash near Dead Man's Curve in 1966, which puts him in a coma and leaves him with aphasia and uh, a collapsed version of their comeback concerts in the 1970s. Not even a mention of the title song. Really? Uh, two Beach Boys are in it. And uh, Dick Clark, Wolfman Jack, Jan Berry himself. Jan and Dean are played by Richard Hatch from Battlestar Galactica. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bruce Davison. Oh, hmm. wow. Richard Hatch was uh, Starbuck. Or no, was there, no. Apollo. Was, uh, Apollo, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Starbuck was Benedict. Dirk Benedict. Yeah. Dirk Benedict, yeah. yeah. Uh, Cone of Silence, a.k.a. Trouble in the Sky of 1960, by Charles Friend. Airplane drama based on the series of comet jetliner crashes from the previous decade. Captain Gort. Gort. Played by Bernard Lee, <laughs> is blamed, but technical flaws might be the culprit as well as human error from colleagues like Captain Judd, played by Peter Cushing. Quite interesting for its mid-century air travel setting, but not thrilling. Cast also includes George Sanders, Andre Morel, and Gordon Jackson. Hmm. Gordon uh, Jackson. <laughs> Mumsy Nanny, Sonny and Gurley, 
aka Gurley. I think it's released in the US as Gurley. Yeah. Uh, 1970, Freddie Francis. Uh, the title character is the roles of four nutcases playing the game. One by one, men are lured into the game, mostly thanks to their lusting after Gurley. They are kept in numbered rooms and eventually hunted down and sent to the Angels, all recorded as 16mm snuff films. Stars Michael Bryant, same year as he was in uh, Orson Welles' The Deep, which never got finished, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, Ursula Howells as Mumsy, Vanessa Howard as Gurley, and Michael Ripper as a zookeeper. It sets up the situation quite quickly, so the rest of it is watching the characters manipulate each other. Gory payoffs are off-screen, and the ending leaves things in question, but it's a perverse fun film which was buried by Moral Crusade in the UK. Uh, did pretty well in the US, where the publicity centred on Vanessa Howard. There's uh, another Hammer one. Uh, Passport to China, a.k.a. Visa to Canton, 1961, directed by Michael Carreras. Hammer film about a travel agent pulled into rescuing a pilot and a spy from mainland China. The white American hero is played by Richard Basehart. Ah. Oh. Um, a Portuguese ally is played by Bernard Cribbins, and Chinese people are played by Athene Sailor, Eric Pullman, and Milton Reed, who is at least half Indian. Oh, okay. Um, and good old Burt Cook, an actual Asian guy playing an Asian. Wow, for once. Um, Reed would appear in three Bond movies and more Bond spoofs. A couple of years later, the Bond films would take much of the boys' adventure ingredients of the relics like this and crank it up to ten. All right, here's a weird one. Voodoo Heartbeat. Okay. Have you heard of this one? No. A.K.A. The Sex Serum of Dr. Blake. All right. Um, Uh, Huey Lewis album? I believe so. (laughs) Uh, Directed by Charles Nizet. Um, Released in several years, back in the days of drive-ins and roadshows. So this is another turd polished up by Vinegar Syndrome, bless him. Filmed in Nevada. Ah. Um, possibly in the late 1960s, as some sources say it played at Cannes in 1970. Although those same sources say this movie stars Philip Arn as Mouthy's tongue, and I don't remember seeing him at all. Hmm. Um, might have seen a different cut. Yeah. Um, I might have blacked out. Uh, Dr. Blake steals 10cc of the liquid of youth from a tribe in Africa, <clears throat> rushes back to Las Vegas and demands it be tested on a death row prisoner. But on his way to deliver it in a case handcuffed to his arm, a pair of red Chinese attack him and hack off the case with a machete they happen to have in their glove compartment. The surviving commie then steals another car for some reason and promptly drives it off the road where the case and attached hand is recovered by a doctor who takes it home and decides to inject himself with a sample and soon turns into a blood-sucking maniac. Hmm. Sounds exciting. (laughs) Um, However, most of the runtime is taken up by dialogue and softcore porn delivered by people who were not cast for their acting ability, looks, fashion sense, <laughs> or penis size. Uh-huh. <laughs> 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 oh, good stuff. Uh, Child's stuff. Play, 1972, directed by Sidney <clears throat> Lumet. Um, odd, this doesn't go f- with the full-on horror as it looks and sounds like it's going to. A year later, you'd be expecting it to be Devil Possession. A couple of years later, it might have been a killer kids movie. <clears throat> but it seems to be positioning itself as a psychological drama without being convincing. So uh, the big reveal was a bit of a dud. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Mason plays the strict Latin teacher at an all-boys Catholic boarding school. And everyone hates him. 
and his best pupils are being attacked in increasingly harsh ways. Uh, Robert Preston plays the English teacher everyone loves. In comes Bo Bridges as an ex-pupil who know, who's now the new PE teacher. Um, Mason and Preston are great. Uh, let see. Deadwood 76 from 1965, directed by James Landis. This is an Arch Hall Jr. Western. Oh, God. Arch Hall Jr. No. <laughs> I don't know him. What's what? Uh, look him up. The one where he plays a maniac is good. I like yeah. that one. Okay. Um, Arch Hall Jr.? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. His dad wanted to turn him into a rock and roll movie Filmster. actor. Yeah. And he's just not got any of those. <clears throat> yeah. He'd had enough of it after a while and he became a pilot. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's just... Wow. Yeah, some terrible films he was forced into. Mm. Um, yeah, it says he be, he did become an airline pilot. Well, that's good. <laughs> After making a lot of terrible movies. Uh-huh. Yeah, the one where he's a, he's a he's a maniac is good. I love that one. Okay, cool. So we got the sadist. The sadist. That's it. Okay. Yeah. Ega. Ega. E e g a h for anyone who wants to take a yes. note. Richard Keel was a caveman. <clears throat> wild, yep. wild guitar and the choppers. Oh god, and the choppers. The yeah. nasty rabbit. Not seen that one. Not seen the nasty and rabbit. Deadwood seventy six. Yeah. Okay, which came out in sixty five. Well, fascinating. So uh, yeah. yeah, set in eighteen seventy six. So it's a good premise. He's uh, he's young. He's quick on the draw, and he's named Billy. So everyone in Deadwood decides he's Billy the Kid. Yeah. All right. The gamblers bet on him. Gunslingers want to take him on. While Bill Hickok comes looking for him, etc. Um, with Arch Hall Senior, Liz Renee from Desperate Living and Blackenstein. Okay. As Poker Kate, the local prostitute. And uh, Poker. John Bud Cardos as Hawk Russell. I watched this while I was doing my exercises on the treadmill, so I have the uh, automated subtitles on mm-hmm. <laughs> and hooray for auto subtitles so hickok becomes hip-hop or hiccup ah. <laughs> and billy's first duel is with hurt yogurt of the sad bastards okay <laughs> I, I was quite tempted to rewind it and see what he actually says but i, I just love that so much that's good <laughs> all right uh, Legend of the Witches, 1970, directed by Malcolm Lee, 85 minutes. It's a documentary which is itself something of an occult artifact. After the uh, the X certificate card mm-hmm. you know, from the BBFC, we go into this beautiful telling of the Wiccan story of creation. There's no credits. Um, then film of an initiation into a witch group with suspiciously good-looking people. And... The X certificate is probably from the bit where a cock is sacrificed to read its entrails. Um, and there's there's lots of nudity. Hmm. Um, then the history of paganism and Christianity. You get the Black Mass, ghost investigation, curses, psychics, hypnosis. Uh, the film actually tries to hypnotize you. Oh, boy. That's uh, fun. There's, there's like this one of those spiral things and there's a strobe light. Um, a typical quote, uh, as part of a scientific investigation... This haunted house has become the centre of operations. Mm. Um, the narrator is apparently Guy Standiven, who's somewhere in the background of a lot of movies. 
Um, I'm not familiar with him at all, but mm. he, he, you look at his his IMDb. It's like he's in tons. He's like in Behemoth the Sea Monster. He's in Bond movies. He's in The Shining. Wow. Um, the lead players were allegedly this pagan couple named uh, Alex and Maxine Sanders. Yes. Yeah. Have yeah. you heard of them? Uh, yes. I know of Alex and Maxine Saunders. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's quite a strange, you know, pro-witch uh-huh. documentary from, from you know, the, the golden age of British folk horror. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Le- Legend of the Witches. Um, yeah. So uh, I, I should leave it there. All right. Well... Um, I don't remember what I watched, uh, other than, uh, another watch through Peep Show, Mm. um, which speaking of, uh, closed captioning, uh, they, they kept, uh, changing Elgar, uh, to Al Gore. Oh, (laughs) God. funny. (laughs) So, like, that ruins the whole joke there. Um... (laughs) Uh, there were some other good ones, but that's the only one I really remember. Uh, then I watched a comedy anti-comedy by Hannah Gadston. Gads, yeah, I think that's it. Um, called Nanette, where she basically turns her comedy show into an anti-comedy show. Oh, and uh, if you're a sensitive white guy, don't watch it. <laughs> So it's like no problem. Anti white comedian. White yeah, she's a uh, those like she, uh, shock comedians you you punch down. Kind of. Yeah, she talks about that. She talks about how uh, she can't tell self-deprecating jokes anymore because why should she be ashamed of who she is? Blah blah blah. Um, yeah, and uh, I don't know. Uh, I could see a lot of internet trolls just you know upset over this Mm -hmm. she's pretty funny she has some art history jokes which is fun you know so (laughs) i don't know if i could recommend it because it's not really a comedy i mean she's funny at times but a lot of it is just like really deep hurtful memories and whatnot that she Mm -hmm. goes through so go go into it with that in mind if you watch it um and that's about it. I don't know. I watched some crap, I'm sure, on Tubi, and I don't remember any of them. Yeah. Um, well, you you chose Suitable Flesh. Unfortunately. Which, which I was aware was coming out because um, I follow Barbara Crampton. Yeah. With whom I share a birthday, by the way. Really? Yeah. We're both born on December 27th. She's older than me, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, I picked it because she's in it and Heather Graham's in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, Heather Graham, who in my head is 23, 24 years old. Forever, yeah. Forever, yeah, she's probably 40 now, right? No, she's, no, she's 50. She's 50-something. Oh, what? Yeah, she's over 50. Jeez, no one told me. No one tells me anything. Yeah. 54? Jeez. Yeah, she. she's not playing um, 20-something anymore. No, which I but guess she it, and Barbara look great. They do, they yeah. do. They're and and they keep choosing good work. And well, you don't like this one. I can tell this right off the get. <laughs> so, um, were you not entertained? <laughs> I was not entertained. <laughs> so, do you want to get? Do you want to give the brief, the brief rundown of the plot? Uh, or do you want me to do it? Heather Graham is a psychologist. 
Um, some troubled young man comes to her with troubles, as troubled young men do. Mm-hmm. Um, and his troubles are body swapping. Yeah, it's like Tale of the Body Thief. Mm-hmm. Um, this yeah. is Okay, this is based on an H.P. Bo- Lovecraft story. get swapped. <laughs> yeah, bodies get swapped. Sure. Yes, it takes place in uh it, it it's almost Arkham. done in a it's almost done in a Chucky sort of way. Kinda, yeah. Kinda does like the the pseudo voodoo. <laughs> Abu Snalik Snalam Akahakabuku. Lovecraftian tang tang. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, Chucky's all about <clears throat> Dumbala. Mm. Uh, okay. Which is a voodoo god. Yeah, this is based off uh, the thing on the doorstep. Yeah. Ah, okay. Short story by H.P. Lovecraft. Not a problematic figure in history at all. No. Um, it's part of the Cthulhu mythos universe. That's why Heather Graham just burst into the N-word for like 15 minutes near the end. <laughs> uh, no, she didn't. <laughs> she wouldn't take that job. Uh, okay, thing on the doorstep, um, which... I don't know that story, although I think I have it in a book. Um, let's see. Does it, well, let's see. Stories narrator Daniel Upton explains that. Oh, it's Daniel Upton. Yeah, they they swap all the genders. Genders, the okay. Lead characters. Uh, that he has killed his best friend Edward Derby, and that he hopes uh, his account will prove that he is not a murderer. He begins by describing Derby's life and career. Derby had been interested in the occult, even as a young boy, uh, which led him to befriend Upton. The two would discuss dark mythology in their spare time. Uh, Whenever Derby visited, he always used the same knocking pattern of three strokes, a pause, and then an additional three strokes on the knocker. And Upton uh, was always able to identify Derby this way. Uh, Goes on to describe some of the same plot points we don't need to get into that let's talk about what does happen here okay so we find out there's body swapping Mm -hmm. this uh young guy probably um isn't actually the young guy he appears to be he's someone who's been kicking around swapping bodies for a while Mm -hmm. yeah and um do we ever get the knocking pattern in this no, the uh, the tell in, in this one is the where their hands contract when they're swapping. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But that, I mean, as far as, like, the other two characters recognizing each other, is it their their handshake thing they do? Well, the, the women are <clears throat> old friends, and they, they, yeah. have the, they have their own handshake. Yeah. But when the, the body swapping is going on, the... Uh, the person's finger gets all... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they start contorting, but I'm just wondering, like... As they swapped the genders, did they substitute something else for the knock? And I wonder if that's just the handshake. Yeah, must have been. Substitutes for the knock. <clears throat> and also not knowing anything about the person that the body you've inhabited. Right. So yeah. you can't really fake your way through it. Now, we've seen this in a lot of movies. Um, do you guys like, do you remember The Hidden? Yeah. Uh-huh. Do you like that one? Yeah. yeah. I, re- I remember really liking it, but I haven't seen it in like 20 years. Call McClacklin. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. He's the uh, intergalactic bounty hunter. Yes, and yes. He's, and he's after this slimy alien that keeps climbing into people's bodies and doing weird things. Yes. And stealing sports cars and all that kind of stuff. Um, this was this was like peak Kyle MacLachlan. Yeah. 
I guess that's a bit of a play on words, isn't it? I didn't mean to. <laughs> Twin Peaks. <clears throat> no pun left behind. Uh, yeah, it was around the Twin Peaks era and some other cool stuff that he did. And, and he kind of just, you know, like I think hit the pinnacle when he did uh, Showgirls. Yeah, sure. It's all downhill from there, isn't it? Yeah. So we've seen this before. We've seen Tale, Tale of the, well, the book Tale of the Body Thief by Anne Rice. Uh, we've got The Hidden. We've got Shocker. Mm-hmm. Uh, a dozen other movies. Yeah, there was that um, Tinsel Washington one where there was body swapping. I don't remember what it's called. But... Then you got face swapping and face off. Uh-huh, yeah. We've got the Chucky movies. I guess that's body swapping. This is well-trodden ground, isn't it? Uh-huh. Um, Jolien, how did you feel about this one? Um, yeah, I liked um, some of the cast. But... Yeah. There's a scene early on where she and her husband are having sex, and she's staring at the ceiling fan, and then they do a mm-hmm. real clumsy wipe where you see the guy's face, and that's when I said, yeah, this is going to be shit. Yeah, I got... For me, it was like 20 minutes in where uh, it told you what's going on. Yeah. And then I thought, oh, man, it's just going to be another hour of just this thing jumping from body to body for some reason. Yeah. Um, I felt the... uh, I I couldn't tell what the stakes were. seemed to be a very unambitious ancient demon. Yeah. For for a Lovecraft (laughs) story, you know, you, you expect some kind of cosmic horror but it was just like, yeah, I, I like this body, body better than the other one right now. Yeah. Oh, I'll jump and into this. Oh, I have to jump into that body. No ambitions to jump into the body of someone having an the exciting president. life or, you know, <laughs> <laughs> mountaineer or yeah, so professor we, of something. So we have a lazy demon. Oh, lazy demon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this one, I don't know, man. It's really weird because you expect... As far as the writing goes, you kind of expect um, Dennis Paolini to do, or uh, Paoli, I'm not sure how he pronounces it. I, I want to go right to a Hawaiian pronunciation, Paoli. But. Uh, yeah, he wrote Reanimator. Yeah, like he, and mm-hmm. when you look at he as a screenwriter, it's like, oh, who, you know, when you, when you go down the um, filmography, you look at who were his co writers. Well, and all of the. Um, all of the Stuart Gordon directed stuff. His his co writer was Stuart Gordon, and uh, Brian Usna, who I think worked on this one too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, for all intents and purposes, we got this thing mapped out. It should work. It should. We yeah. got great cast. We got a good cast. We got some good writers. Based on some Lovecraft stuff, but nothing worked. <laughs> Do we blame the director? Do we do we blame the writer in part? Is 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 Dennis losing his his uh, grasp on how to do this right? Yeah, um, I just felt the the photography was bland. Yeah, that was it. It was mostly it looked bland. The only scene that I thought was kind of creative was when she kept backing into yes. the guy, and you could just see him on the <laughs> on the. Uh, backup camera yeah and that was the only part but i believe that was done in child's the child's play remake okay i want to say uh, i've seen that gag mm-hmm. somewhere else uh i thought that where she was the 
she falls out the window is terrible. Oh my god! Oh yeah, that that, that was like bad TV movie of the week in the seventies. Effect. Yeah. It was. And then there was another bit. Um, I start noticing these things when I don't really. I'm not enjoying myself. Yeah. Um, but they. He, he calls her to his house the first time. Mm-hmm. This is on like 33 High Street. Yeah. It's not High Street. It's a suburban street. I don't yeah. know why it's called High Street. But anyway, so he says this over, you know, several times, right? 33 High Street. She gets there in her car. And uh, so you see a shot and there's this like sign on the lawn saying 513. Thought, okay, maybe that's not the house number. Yeah. But then when she gets out of the car, the sign disappears. <laughs> so how could they have missed that? It just just felt sloppy. Maybe it was a union thing. Like, hey, we got a guy who removes signs. Don't touch that. <laughs> you see that tape X? You don't touch the tape X. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there were a lot of things. And by the second half, I was just done. I was like, who cares? Yeah. What's going on? Who cares? Yeah, you, you could tell early on it wasn't going to wig out like the Gordon films. Yeah, it was. It was that that wipe, and they had the little circle wipe that came up, the little oh. dissolve, the spotlight dissolved, or whatever they call that. The, okay, I, what, iris. The iris. Yeah. Was any of this meant to be a nod to Hitchcock? I mean, please don't nod to Hitchcock if you can't do well, but. The iris thing and then the falling thing, maybe the the awkward falling was meant to be like, um, oh, God, what? what? Psycho. Vertigo. Vertigo. Psycho, the staircase. Um, Arbogast falls in. Saboteur, the one where he falls off the Statue of Liberty. Fall. The falling. (laughs) The fallen and fell. (laughs) There was Norman fell. Um, So... uh, So I, I got to wonder, is, was it deliberately kind of awkward? Because you can do a fall better than that in a movie now without much effort at all. I think it was a nod to the Hitchcock films. That makes it better that, for you. Go for it. It doesn't. So, so if you think the, the scene where you've got the mortician who's eating sandwiches while he's oh. working is a, a d- deliberately ironic comment on all the morticians in movies who... Eat sandwiches while they're working. Yes. We've talked about this before. (laughs) Why can't one of them be eating spaghetti for once? (laughs) Right. Or sushi. Or sushi. Properly with chopsticks. Or a big cauliflower that's been steamed and cheese is poured on it. It's like a brain. Yeah. Something like that. that. Peeled grapes. They weigh it first. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't understand why this is still a trope. Are they are they making fun of the trope, or participating in it? Yeah, at this point, you can't make fun of it anymore. Yeah. It's it's too far gone. It's. Um, I gotta admit, you guys, I was still entertained by it in a way. There were a couple times where where it was it was goofy enough that I could laugh at it. Some of the lines, yeah, but they were too far, few between, few and far between. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed Heather Graham and Barbara Crampton. Um, I like the uh, guy who plays her husband, Jonathan Shakel. Um, yeah, yeah. So let's see where where have we seen him before? Let's see. Let's roll down to his filmography. 
Um, he, well, he goes back to 1993 with some stuff. Oh, he was in the Doom Generation. Interesting. Okay. Um, wow. Who'd he play in that, I wonder? Uh, he played uh, Xavier Reed, or Xavier Red. I don't know who that is. Oh, he played Houdini in a 1998 movie called Houdini. Oh, I think I saw that. I keep waiting for them to make a proper Houdini movie where, I don't know. I, I just, they bring his ghost back? You mean I'm, proper Houdini movie. It's going to be real hard to get a proper Houdini <laughs> in this town. You okay. know you can't get a proper Houdini anymore. <laughs> there's, there's actual movies by Houdini. Yeah, you could watch Houdini movies. Just watch, yeah, watch some newsreel footage of Houdini. He, he made, made movies, made, though. Made actual movies, mm-hmm. yeah. Huh. Early serials. Oh, yeah. Not? Yeah. It's just him doing his Houdini thing. Basically, he's an adventurer named Houdini, yeah. I think Jeremy Allen White could play him. Who's that? He's the guy from The Bear and uh, Shameless. People were mistakenly believing that uh, he's actually Gene Wilder's grandson. Can can they get the rapper to play him? <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> Houdini, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I just think like you need somebody who's short, muscular, um, if if Jewish and from Wisconsin, preferably, <laughs> and then make the whole film in Wisconsin. There you go. You have to reconstruct the Brooklyn Bridge. You got to keep it regional, Will. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> no, I think I just think it hasn't been done right. They had what's his face, uh, the tall thin guy with um, Jesus, the uh, tall thin guy, <laughs> the one that was in the King Kong remake. Kind of blanking on his name for whatever reason. He played him in a movie. And it's like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Well, this is a good story because I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> and neither does the audience. <laughs> he was that one guy, you know, with the face. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Mr. Face. Adrian. <laughs> yeah, Adrian Brody. Yeah. Adrian Brody. He played See? Houdini? I think he did. I could be, I could be remembering I thought this. he was playing the rapper. all right let's see it was a tv series not a movie um it when did this thing come out 2014 oh wow yeah let's have a A long long ago yeah before covid let's have a tall guy with kind of a narrow face you know let's have him play houdini yeah okay why not you just have to make the boxes bigger yeah (laughs) taller milk cans Mm -hmm. longer chains yeah. I mean, look, okay, tell me this looks like him. They they did the hairdo and it still doesn't look like him. I don't know. I don't know. They got the chains right. Well, uh, Tony Curtis played him in the 50s, didn't he? I believe he, he did, did. Yes. yeah, Tony Curtis. Let's see what he looked like. Tony Curtis with chains. <laughs> <laughs> he, he doesn't believe in changing his own accent to play anyone Mo- mongols or no no he's tony curtis you hired tony curtis you're getting tony curtis yeah well he gave us jamie lee curtis who uh who made halloween ends by yes. the way yes so let's all remember halloween ends the only hollywood halloween movie i would recommend <laughs> twice uh, well you know Tony Curtis didn't really look like him either, did he? Not really. No, he 
it's just Tony Curtis. Yeah. Well, enough about Houdini and Arch Hall. Arch Hall Jr., Tony Curtis, and Houdini, <laughs> the musical. <laughs> okay, so Jeremy Allen White should play Houdini. I've said, I've said it. Okay, all right. But, but I've also said that Adam Driver should play Joey Ramone. So clearly, that's not going to ever happen. It's like, dude, lay off the protein shakes and the weightlifting. Just get skinny, and you can play him, but not for much longer. You're going to age out of the role. Amphetamines and glue sniffing. <laughs> Your ne- diet for the next six months. <laughs> you can have some Cheetos. Yeah. Um, suitable flesh. Okay. Uh, like I said, I was entertained by it to a point. Um, there were some funny moments and there were some bits that I feel like were self-aware, maybe. But, okay, with the backup camera. All mm-hmm. right. That's Okay, that plus the motion light from Halloween kills or halloween 2018 or halloween 20 whichever one it was from 2018 wasn't it yeah. mm-hmm. okay so halloween 2018 we got the motion detector it's like oh that's going to be the new medicine cabinet yeah i'm not sure the backup camera is not the new medicine cabinet it could be that could be a good one yeah if you like, can only see the ghosts coming at you in the backup camera yeah like we in the, do a bunch of gags that, that mirror gag's still going so i saw another movie that's did that last year they should be ashamed every time it comes up on reddit uh on dreadit i guess i ask if anybody knows what the earliest one was oh does anyone have any no they always suggest shit that's like from the mid 80s or something you're like no no it's much older than that definitely much older than that no um what did you think the gory kills in this aside aside from uh Aside from the the backing up, that mm-hmm. you can't really put a knife through someone's skull. You just can't take a swing at it and put it through the middle of their forehead. You can stick a knife in a skull because you can. It depends how sharp but, that is. Yeah, I mean, it it, it just didn't look like it. Yeah, there's a guy who came into the hospital once, tried to kill himself with a knife to his knife in his own skull. Wow! But it got him between the. Cerebrally, and he's, oh, he's still walking. Wow! So he put it right between like the hemispheres of the brain, where yeah, it just didn't do much connections and stuff. So it's nice job. He guy. was messed up, but he was walking. Jeez, um, that's the most metal thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> but the stabbing and the stabbing and the stabbing and the stabbing and the stabbing. Yeah, so that was a lot of stabbing. Was was that the only gory thing we really well, got? Was the uh, the father getting beheaded? Yes, um, that was a lot of blood. Um, did the gore work for you guys, or was it just yeah, it was well done? It was well done, I guess. Yeah, it didn't. I don't know that it really added anything to the story. Hmm. No, I thought the practical stuff was good, but the CG was terrible. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the CG the, stuff. The, the fire stuff was bad. And there, was, yeah. there was this fire bad, appalling. You get a brief glimpse of this wedding photo of the Heather Graham character and her husband. Yeah, it just looks so bad. Yeah, uh, can't. Yeah, can't be that. They hard. just taped her face and his face over a right. picture that came in the frame. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you wonder. His pictures in black and white. <laughs> 
Sometimes I try to get CG or um, AI to make something funny. The free version of the one I've been using sometimes just ignores some of your prompts. Yeah. Completely. Uh-huh. I don't know if they're just trying to make you pay for it. Mm. But, you know, I, I asked it for Evil Knievel being chased by a fist made out of killer bees. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Good job. And it it didn't give me anything close to that. It was none of the things in my list. I was trying to make the X-Men movie with the cast of Gilligan's Island. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why, just because it's two funny things that came up. Nowhere near any of that. I got some of the cast in, like, spandex suits. Was about the closest, but yeah, like you just don't understand, do you, AI? Well, I asked it to make um, Lee Harvey Oswald um, in a boxing ring fighting his identical twin, and it was close enough to where you could kind of tell who it was. And then it was like, oh, I should make JFK as a boxer too, and that looked really good. Oh, nice! But every time I ask for a goth musician with pale makeup playing in a smoke-filled club doesn't get anywhere near that i don't know why yeah half the time if you put the you know the scene at night yeah uh it it just ignores that it's the middle of the day you're like yeah um i did i wanted to see if uh it could create a realistic looking thing Mm -hmm. from the fantastic four Mm -hmm. and it wasn't it didn't know what the thing was so I put in Jack Kirby's Fantastic Four thing, blah, blah, blah. And it combined Jack Kirby, put Jack Kirby drawn in Jack Kirby style on the Thing poster in oh, 1982. Wow. And I was like, that's awesome. Like he's coming through. He's got the park the, on. The glowing and, head. And no, no. He's got like the parka. Like he's breaking through the wall as whatever. Oh. Whatever. Uh, the Drew Struzan poster. Yeah. Yeah. It looked good. I was like, wow, okay, that's a fun one. Yeah, I kind of feel like rather than have it take jobs from us, um, we should make AI work for us. You know, yeah, it's like, definitely. It's it's going to do our rough sketches for us is what yeah. we're going to make oh, yeah, it do. Yeah, um, yeah, um, yeah, some art- artists use it for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Proper artists. Yeah. Yeah. And then at some point... He just called you a non-proper artist. Oh, I'm not a proper artist. <laughs> like Improper, a, I suppose, is the word. There's this excellent um, science fiction illustrator called Jim Burns. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does, like, photoreal. Uh, yeah. He used to use airbrush and stuff. Um, but, yeah, he uses AI to just generate... Like thumbnails. Roughs and, and stuff. And well, that's what and I thought would takes be the that best. and works with that. Yeah, because you can. Some of them are really good, and then then you and he just uses his own art. Yeah, yeah. My favorite. My favorite is the fact that when when artists can't get their shit together and and they stop trying, they just they don't draw hands very well. (laughs) AI cannot draw a human hand. Terrible. No. Whatsoever. When it starts drawing hands properly, then we know it's about to enslave us all and Mm. kill us. Yes. Yeah. A few weeks ago, this. uh, they revealed, or, or uh, someone leaked the list of all the artists that it rips off. Oh. So there's like thousands of these names. Yeah. Yeah, I asked it to make um, Bruce Lee fighting um, Elvis. Because mm-hmm. I had Bruce Lee fighting his twin. And it's like, oh, I just noticed there's an extra arm in here. <laughs> yeah. But uh, when I asked it to have Bruce Lee fighting Elvis... Or King Kong fighting Godzilla in in downtown Denver, uh, it kind of gave 
Godzilla a King Kong body, like <laughs> the build, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And then Bruce Lee and Elvis were just kind of both kind of half Bruce Lee, half Elvis. I've noticed that a lot. If you put just, two people in, yeah. it wants to blend them. They'll still be two separate people, but they each look kind of like the other. This, this one, yeah. Weird. Yeah. I find you have to put, like, so-and-so and their friend, their whatever. Yeah. To kind of differentiate that that's two people. Yeah. You know. Now, the listeners, I've right? been using tags to see if that, if I can get things to go that way. That might It'll help. It'll tags. The listeners are probably wondering why we're talking about this instead of suitable flesh. Because it sucked. Recommends? No. <laughs> Let's do the No for me. No. I, I, I was, uh, when I logged into Shudder to, to watch this, I saw that there was, a, there was this Italian documentary about Dario Argento. Oh. Called Panico. Oh, okay. And uh, I, I wanted this film to end so I could watch that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, so I started watching that uh, to, to, you know, to remind myself how exciting cinema could be. Yes, it's, it's really good. I've, I've watched the first half. All right, I'll check it out. Well, I'm going to say that um, this is not the worst thing I've seen. At, oh at, God, no! <laughs> at, I mean, at least we had a good cast, and there were some interesting things that did happen along the way. But um, I can't really recommend it to a horror fan and be like, "Oh, you need to see this." I, I might say, "Hey, you know what? If nothing else is happening, it's not the worst thing you'll ever see. Go ahead and watch it." Yeah, so, that's a great uh, review. You know yeah. what? This reminded me of Smile. <clears throat> like this was a rip off of Smile, which is a rip off of It Follows. Yeah. <laughs> like we're getting diminishing returns. It's a Xerox of a Xerox of uh-huh. a Xerox. <laughs> now we'll get a to be original. Yep. You know. Starring Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee. <laughs> Le. And uh I don't know. Joey Fatone or something. Yeah, I think that would be great. Um, so yeah, we Arch Hall Junior. The third Arch Hall Junior. Junior. So for next week's episode, um, I, tra- I trapped the devil. Yes, but I did not trap the <laughs> trap the deputy. <laughs> I did not trap the deputy. I the devil. Yeah. So I trapped the devil, which That's you can on find on Tubi, I believe. Yeah, it's on Tubi. Yeah. Or not. Um, it's one you won't remember. And you can watch it again. You could probably watch this once a year and you'll never remember it. Oh, so it's like the Black Christmas remake. Yeah, it's just like... Or the witch in the window. The like witch you, in the window. You only yes. remember it when you start watching it. And you're uh-huh. like, oh, It's exactly how it was this time. It was like, this seems familiar. <clears throat> yes, I've seen this. Yeah. No, I can't remember what happens. <laughs> so, and we'll be on the lookout for Death Rider in the House of Vampires. Yes. So, even though it may have sound issues, that's what it's called, Death Rider in the House of Vampires. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And I think if if we can find that this exists, maybe we need to do a watch party for it. Oh, hmm. we could do that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Watching this uh, doc- also, documentary, I want to watch all the. Classic Argentos all over again. Ooh, so you yeah. are both very That's... welcome to come over. All right. Yeah. You will watch Deep Red. I haven't seen oh, that one. Oh. Yeah, I think that's my favorite after Suspiria. Yeah, that part of the documentary comes on, the music comes up. Oh, boy, boy. <laughs> oh. 
This is it. This is good stuff. Yeah, Superior. Suspiria is probably my favorite horror movie. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> Even though it's a horror movie, it makes me really happy when I put it on. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, shall we call it a show? It's a show. Listeners, thank you for listening. Stay off the moors. <laughs>